Slacks. This is Kim Senkla Harvey, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Indigenous Cultural Evolutionist. On this episode, I'll be giving you an update on my next artistic ceremony, Break Horizons, a rocking Indigenous justice story. We'll talk about why I chose the genre of futurism and what it means. I'll also be sharing with you an epigraph for Break Horizons, which is that little piece of writing or can be a quote that comes before a story. And then we'll also be talking about how we need to switch our paradigm to understand how crime is a construct of the Crown's justice system. One of the reasons why I started the blog and podcast was to more effectively and transparently make offers and share with the Indigenous and BIPOC creation community. I wished that when I was younger and starting my kind of conjuring practice, I had access to the processes and practices of Indigenous uh, creators. Using this as a place to share and make totems of my work is also really important so that when I reflect back, I can see processes that were efficient and uh, potent and compelling so that on my next artistic ceremony, I can go, okay, like, how did that work? Where was I at this stage? What did this look like? So this was posted on, this blog was written on September 1st, 2020, and it's entitled The Break Horizons Updated Synopsis. I've been deep into draft three of my next artistic ceremony, distilling and trying my best to connect, sync, and weave the sinew of the story spirit together. This is a big world build, and I like to use my blogs as a totem of this art. There are many layers stacked into this indigenous futurism story. The Healing Lodge, the fourth to sixth and dimensions beyond, the ancestors thousands of years old, the original beings millions and billions of years old, the animal matriarchs Talakwia and Orca from the Southern Resident Pod and others, indigenous mystical science, the notions that the big bounce folds into spirits traveling to the next worlds, this concept we never die that we might just transform by shedding our current forms. The 500 year war that is the crown, waging it against indigenous peoples in the world and teachings trapped in the rocks and beings are transformers who are vibrating to us from worlds before this bounce. But let's stop there for now and I invite you to come in to dive, a deep dive with Break With Me. I wrote, in 2003, Peter Linz has put forward a new cosmology model in which time is cyclic. In his theory, our universe will eventually stop expanding and then contract before entering the black hole's horizon, becoming a singularity. The universe would bounce. Linz suggests the exact history of the universe would be repeated in each cycle in an eternal recurrence theorizing that the universe may be cyclic, but the histories of each bounce would all be variants. Eternal return theory states that the universe and all energy has been reoccurring and will continue to recur in a self-similar form an infinite number of times across infinite time or space. It's my theory that we are on one series of a big bounce, that this is not the first version, but we are in a bounce number somewhere in the thousands and maybe millions. And in each history, we take something with us, our spirits. And through the spiritual constant, we use our blood to remember. 
In Break Horizons, I propose that the ancestors, the spirits that came before us, left portals and clues to our infinite histories from previous bounces, space and time collapses, in totems in the land and beings in the rock. But the 500-year war against the crown has taken us too far from the land and ourselves to remember. I posted on the blog a page from the script, which I'll read. The shifter says, They entered into one of the longest ceremonies the Earth has ever conducted. For the matriarchs were concerned that they would come too close to an extinction, and this knowledge can never be lost. The Res House band begins to play. The shifter goes, Do you remember Scarlet? Scarlet closes her eyes, and Scarlet says, I... I, I, I don't... Um, what? The shifter says, reinitiate the matriarchal gathering of nations. Scarlet says, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just a fucking inmate. Scarlet, the shifter, says, look into the land, into your blood. Pass the emblems into the rock. They speak with their vibrations. Awaken yourself. Gather the matriarchs. I go on to write... The universe collapses and expands. This cycle is called the bounce, and every bounce takes billions of years. And I'm working and creating and conjuring on the theory that the only constant between these bounces is our spirits, that everything else changes. On this particular bounce thousands of years ago, the original Salish matriarchs, Salish plateau matriarchs, keepers of the Western portal, foresaw the war with the crown and made the decision to imprint the knowledge of peace into indigenous femmes' blood, that they baked the understanding of balance into the land. As they knew indigenous peoples were stewards of the earth, this responsibility has been bestowed upon them since the beginning of time. This is why indigenous peoples have kept a loving and reciprocal relation with our mother, the earth. The original Salish Plateau matriarchs worked with the animal matriarchs to ensure we could somehow journey back to this knowing. But the imperialist war in its 500th year has been more brutal than anyone could have imagined and their tactics of destruction have kept indigenous peoples from believing in ourselves as we are displaced from the land. The crown's desire to obliterate indigenous systems of balance that were thousands of years old has now resulted in a climactic crisis. Mother Earth is retaliating by waging war against the human species. In her attempts to get them to listen, she's been forced to activate environmental disasters. With little response from the human species, Mother Earth has been swaying the animals to become her ally, to leave the humans to their own devices since they have not been listening. The conditions of the environment are rapidly worsening and threatening many of the animal species. This environmental crisis has positioned the entire universe to become unstable and put us on the brink of an irregular collapse. Now, this has never happened before, and some might say it could end the cycle of bounces forever. One shifter has been granted access to the Earth's third dimension to awaken an original matriarch, Scarlet, a 21-year-old indigenous femme who's been placed in a healing lodge and is now the hope of the entire universe. Will the shifter be able to help Scarlet remember the power and knowledge that lives within her before it's too late? With the support of the five other indigenous femmes in the healing lodge who are armed with the indestructible force that is indigenous love, we need your help to stop the 500-year war, rock the human race back to balance, and stop the collapse of the entire universe. This is Break Horizons, a rocking indigenous justice story. Senseless scars My worst parts were quite
version of Don't Be Scared by Bill Ryder Jones. That is a song that I was listening to on repeat as I was really trying to construct what a distilled synopsis of this ceremony could be. Break Horizons is massive. The concepts, the construction, the ceremony itself. I spoke about it in the one of the last episodes about the reason why and there are major major points around it being indigenous justice about indigenous sovereignty about the colonial attacks on indigenous peoples but a very important part in the overarching thematic intent is we have been and continue and are on a Armageddon-like trajectory of killing the planet and thus our species. And I tweeted something about it the other day that I'll read you that speaks to this. I wrote, Break Horizons is an indigenous futurist story that spherically intersects with land stewardship or what the whites call, quote, environmentalism. As a space geek, I wanted to write a future story that reckons with the necessary transformations required for our species to remain on Earth. Almost all futurism stories are about humans failing here, about us having to find another planet to keep the species alive. I believe somewhere inside of us we have the relational ability to remember we can turn this around, to remember we've been gifted everything we need. What imperial futurist stories rely on is our failure. But my responsibilities as an indigenous storyteller are to remind us of the powerful sensitivities of our relational ecologies, the power and care we must live with not to exist in the future. Break Horizons is about the emancipation from the whites and a healing lodge, but ultimately the confines of thinking to which the prison's imperial capitalism have constructed to condition us to consume and destroy our environments, one another, and ourselves. I wrote Break Horizons to remind us we have everything inside of us right now to create and enact the most powerfully sacred ceremony that exists within us. The ceremony of a live conscious presence. Break is about awakening from an unconscious existence that is killing us all. That's indigenous futurism for me. That's indigenous storytelling for me. And this is Break Horizons, a rocking indigenous justice ceremony. For justice for earth is the only chance at peace for us all.
Break Horizons is an artistic ceremony because for me, as a role and a part of my responsibilities as a storyteller, is to move our community to a place that achieves balance, allows wellness, and the opportunity for peace for every community member. A place, I, I don't know, I've been to school, I'm in school doing my master's and I've been doing an undergrad and I, I, I'm just, I still struggle to know the purpose of a play. And it's not my wheelhouse, to be quite honest. The, the way Canadian, white, Western, European constructions create theater is their business. My business is, my practice is Indigenous Salish Plateau artistic ceremony. What I think facilitates these two areas of storytelling and creation is if non-Indigenous peoples build their capacities to receive Indigenous stories in a way that doesn't force, manipulate, and oppress them into metrics, structures, and ways of engagement that is required for Western European Canadian theater and storytelling versus what an Indigenous creator is asking of us. On October 16th, 2020, I wrote a blog post called The Encircling Nature of Relational Indigenous Structures. One of the most relentless battles I face with my creative practice is the unconscious and unchecked violence inflicted by non-Indigenous folks and imperialists who aggressively and without consent force my stories into a binary comparative analysis to Western structures and frameworks. They are often fear-driven state agents looking to center their own paradigm analysis, ontology, and thus state oppression. Well-meaning white and imperial folks coming into indigenous worlds with the state monolithic capacity and conditioning only to engage via an imperial-centric perspective. It feels as painful and as aggressive as plucking a flower, squeezing the stem, firmly pulling upwards, and detaching the petals from the stalk and going, there, now let me look at it. It's a brutality that goes so unchecked in Canadian storytelling. It was an impetus for creating this blog. I wanted to have a space to share process methods and perspectives from an Indigenous paradigm. I've been writing and theorizing about this on the blog for about three years now, so if you're new to this podcast or vlog and looking to work on your anti-racist practices, I strongly encourage you to go back to previous posts and spend some time saturating yourself in totems of Indigenous artistic process. I have over 30 years, coming up on 35, of investigating white paradigms and imperial ontologies with my research and lived experience. I've been in your teaching environments. I've spent much time engaging with your kin systems and I've been engulfed in your artistic and storytelling structures and I have been involved with many of your ceremonies within your churches and state. As a part of transforming your racism, you have to respect and recognize that most anti-imperialist indigenous peoples are more educated and knowledgeable than white and imperial folks when it comes to paradigm world hopping and traversing cultures because of the insidious nature of colonization. If you concede that the state has violently been asserting their con constitution on indigenous people, then by way of that admission, you acknowledge that we have more experience in engaging and navigating a multiplicity of cultures. We've been enduring imperialism with great tenacity and grit, while still centering and continuing our indigenous ways of being. It's been a multi-plane experience for us. 
If you're not an Indigenous person and you're looking to engage with Indigenous artistic ceremony, I think it's imperative you reflect and acknowledge how many Indigenous ceremonies have you experienced? Was Kamloopa your first one? And if so, what is the work you are doing to better understand without centering self? What are the nuances, purpose, and complexity of Indigenous ceremony are? especially before you start analyzing and comparing and asserting, quote, expertise in any form. This post is an offer to ratchet up your knowledge and experience, to consciously let go of your colonial imperial mindset and enter into an indigenous paradigm of creation. And know this should be one of many experiences you're seeking out because to recondition yourself from your racist and imperial violent ways, it's going to take time and much dedication. Remember when I said I have over 35 years of experiencing your culture? So read many Indigenous writers, see many Indigenous films, attend Indigenous Zoom panels in and out of your sector, just as I and many of my Indigenous colleagues have been doing for decades. You must continually be broadening your understanding and building your capacity to know the nuance of Indigenous ontologies, culture, and storytelling. In 2008, I tweeted, In lieu of a climax, a lot of Indigenous stories have a multiple provocational instances of relational awakenings. These often timeless multiplicities offer the opportunity for characters and audiences to deepen our understandings of our cosmic interconnectedness. But what does that mean? Distilled? It means if you're waiting for an ejaculatory climax, you're missing the heat and the plethora of intensities all along the journey. And if you feel, quote, unsatisfied, at the end of the non-well-made play structure, the imperial patriarchy conditioning is strong in you, little white muskrat. So strong. As a creator, I know how instrumental pre-production engagements are for witnesses to fully arrive. From community of practices to Zoom hangs, blogs, more blogs and podcasts, I work very hard to extend opportunities so we can bravely come into the worlds. For Kamloopa, there is much totoming, and now for break, we're building the atmosphere of offers. So I'm going to root this structural investigation into that artistic ceremony. Break structure is episodic, like a rock concert, and it's also a tension of pulling in. Using the gravity and power of a black hole, we circle the center of universal power. On each rotation, quote song and scene, we make many offers and invitations to slide and shred our dogmatic imperial conditioned ways of being to think courageously in order to break into an indigenous paradigm. Break is a ceremony. And ceremonies can have many rounds of vibrational, energetic, physical, cognitive, and spiritual cleansing. These rounds are designed to induce a trance-like state, which elicit many feelings, including discomfort, which is necessary for the holistic and comprehensive refresh and transformation of self. I find the repetition deepens the opportunity to access the knowledge and strengthen our physical cognitive and spiritual capacities that is the endurance element of ceremony it's sort of like when y'all have those wedding ceremonies and the groom and bridal parties get up again and again and again and share stories of relational connectivity it's a protocol your protocol with the intended outcome to further bond the lovers and families beyond time and into blood But just like every indigenous show is not always effective, not all these protocols are either. You know, having Karen and Todd drunkenly share stories about party bus and frat times is maybe not the most effective contribution, but comedy is important. I do still have to admit, though, some aspects of your ceremonies very much confuse me still. 
But what I do understand with colonial weddings, baby showers, funerals, and baptisms, that there are layers to the ceremony that include illuminating connections to mystical beings and relations beyond this dimension. I always found the people presencing these intersections fascinating. They are calling on grandparents that might have passed and exist beyond the realm and are trying them to all trying to present them with stories and powers that go beyond colonial notions. Which is why I know, I know non-indigenous peoples have the power and ability to relate, nourish, and engage with indigenous stories. I've seen you do it. I've seen you release yourselves from the confines of linear time, colonial structures, evolve your culture, and breathe on a mystical practice that exists outside rationale and logic without making it, quote, magic. I've seen you powerfully exist in your ceremonies that connect you to the ether and mystics of the universe, and this is where break lives. Break, as a narrative structure, is designed to live on circular evolutions, and it doesn't, quote, peak. I respect you too much as witnesses for that. I stack dimensional layers into the journey. The planes of the story traverse the imperial bonds of time and the human understandings of space to intersect the complex illuminations of why we're all necessary and deeply matter. There is an intensifying of the ceremony when Scarlet breaks the event horizon, but it's not a quote climax. It's an embodied dimensional transformation and a reflection of our universal connectedness. We will launch ourselves into the center of the galaxy on a trajectory that compels and propels us around an enormous event, breaking us out of the notions of what we think we know, and if we're brave enough to be vulnerable, to refresh ourselves to become what this universe needs us to be. The ceremony and experiences are designed to be impactful and powerful. I was doing some research yesterday looking into ideas and breakthroughs of great and incomprehensible innovative theorists like Albert Einstein, who pulled the notion of gravitational waves from the ether 70 years before it was proven. It was like he channeled this vibrational truth. Can you imagine what that must have been like for him, conjuring and illuminating ideas baked into the dark matter of the universe? Like, oof. It boggles, it flexes and bends my mind and spirit in the greatest way. I deeply respect the humility he embodies in his theory and work, how he extends the notions of what's possible, and I believe this is one of the epigraphs for Break Horizons. Quote, A human being is a part of the whole called by us, universe. A part limited in time and space, he experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. End quote by Albert fucking Einstein. I go on to write, break exists on a praxis of compassion and liberation, and it's encircling structures built to widen our abilities to embrace all organisms of the universe. To respect and nurture all the components and elements conducive to conscious life, including the love and belief, we must gift ourselves to break out of the prisons, prisons of shame and blame the state has constructed to shackle us. Break is an indigenous love story 
one that deserves to exist outside the residue violence and confines of imperial love and Canadian play structures. I create this ceremony with the desire we all tap into the timeless bonds of joy that will ignite a dignified future for us all with respect and deep love. Kim. I am not known for my love for old dead white men, but on the record, I think I'm, I'm quite confident that I could share with you all that Albert Einstein is my favorite old dead white guy. He was phenomenal. 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 Like he predicted gravitational waves 70 years, 70 years before it was proven. He literally just theorized something that nobody else saw, nobody else believed, nobody else could understand from his scientific community and said, nah, I think this is a thing. I am astounded by conjurers like that. And I will add that a lot of our indigenous theories and science and technologies were lost in the continued genocide of our peoples. And I absolutely know that there are many, and we still have many, um, astronomy and astrophysical understandings of space and time within our own indigenous nations. And that Albert just happens to be one of the most amplified in imperial in the Western world. So I also want to honor all of our indigenous scientists, our indigenous theorists, our indigenous conjurers and innovators. And I think what excites me about people who are working on this sort of mystical level of theory and science is that beyond somebody saying, you know, I'm not really into all this division and, you know, um, you know, politics around, um, race you know i'm not into it we're all the same we all like that's that collapsing theory is just so convenient and to be quite honest um violent and i'm not interested in people who want to talk from that deduced distilled violent um collapsing theory you know it's so easy to be like you know what we were all pieces of mud before so your current political strife i'm not really into it because when we were pieces of mud before we were lizards i think that it was important to remember that race is a construction because mud (laughs) like give me something with actual respect and presence and intersectional consciousness, please. Give me something that AE's got. You know, he goes, a human being is a part of the whole called by us a universe. He's already talking about this oneness that I was just reading Indigenous Traditional Laws and Justice in the Silk Routine. They talked about this oneness with the earth. Albert goes on to say, a part limited in time and space is that we experience ourselves separated, but that's a delusion. 
because we're one. This is something Albert Einstein was talking about, which is very, if you want to talk about something that doesn't oppressively collapse race and culture, but connects and bonds us through nourishing ideology. That's what Einstein's talking about here. He goes on to say, this delusion is a kind of prison for us. When I read that, I was like, that this delusional prison restricts us to just petty things like our desires and loving a few people around us but what our task as a species must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our compassion and embracing all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty that is the purpose of break that is what albert einstein may be one of the most globally recognized astrophysicists um ever to exist on the planet and I think he was saying something quite important and something that indigenous elders and indigenous knowledge has been holding grasping and teaching our communities and peoples for a very long while I think to enter into break into this ceremony it's going to take a lot of vulnerability I think people who prepare themselves and read this literature and listen to these blogs and come to the community of practices that we're going to have to start melding and connecting these cosmic relations, these ideas, the notion of getting up and being conscious of all organisms, you know, embracing all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty, like the way he said that, that's what we have to be doing. And those are one of the many layers of break that I'm so excited for all of y'all to see and experience and uh, rock out with us. On August 17th, 2020, I wrote a blog called Crime is the Colonizer's Language. At CC Adams underscore on Twitter wrote, I cringe whenever I see the word crime. It's no longer a part of my vocabulary. Crime is a historical and political construction. The sooner we acknowledge crime as a made-up thing used to justify targeted criminalization and policing, the sooner we can talk meaningfully about actual harm. <sighs> Mic drop. I go on to write, crime is truly the language and system of the colonists. The paradigm is an imperial one, and the unrelenting assertion of the crown against indigenous black and POC people who are anti-imperialists. In break, I'm writing about these femmes breaking free from imperial laws and a colonial order designed to kill us. A line that launches the second scene is when the judge says, quote, you've been found guilty under the eyes of the law. The Silcoteen responds with, Whose law? The more I look into imperial Jewish jurisprudence, the more I'm recognizing the sophisticated measures colonizers have enacted to aggressively target indigenous black and POC peoples. Imperialists have weaponized trauma by turning a trauma response into a crime, which is brutally cruel in their deliberate punishment. Our collective sovereignty rests on breaking ourselves free from the fallacy that the laws we've been taught protect us. They don't. Lowercase c, C, Canadian law, is designed to kill and destroy indigenous, black, and POC peoples. And with the over-incarceration of our community members, their tools of oppression are working perfectly. 
Imperial neo-capitalism functions off of normalizing punishment. The imperial judiciary metric of, quote, success is founded off of sentencing pain and zero rehabilitation. This puts the public at great risk of recidivism and feeds the capital crime and punishment system. People desiring punishment on others is the indoctrination the state wants. We must urgently look at what mercy is. I've heard many abolitionists asking, why do we feel like we have the power to hurt others and in the states kill others? We need radical benevolence and forbearance. I can't express this enough. The current, quote, justice system protects the oligarchy and puts the public at higher risk. The state can do this by banking off of citizens' ignorance, fear, and indoctrination. The law is white supremacist, and any sustained, quote, justice in that system is not for us. It's not for me. It's not for indigenous, black, and POC people. Every once in a while, they feed us crumbs to make us believe it works, but that's, again, a part of their design. Until white folks understand that oppression ultimately comes back to the violent positioning of, quote, lawfulness we won't have any freedom punishment is what the whites are interested in and without rehabilitation and restorative justice the public will continue to be used as fodder for the imperial oligarchs benefit we must be vigilant in checking our imperial conditioning to celebrate and uphold the punishment of others for who benefits from that because it's certainly not the public break horizons is about understanding that unless we can create a society that protects and stewards injustice for all beings we will continue to be a species imprisoned by a system that will constitute our extinction Crime and punishment, crime and punishment, crime and colonial punishment. Crime is a construct by the colonial state, by the crown, and is a part of their takeover, their colonization, global colonization against indigenous peoples to force their notions and structures and constructions of what crime is to target indigenous peoples so that they can take the land resources and oppress the powers of the peoples whose nations they are trying to take. That is what justice is in Canada. The Canadian justice system serves the crown to take indigenous peoples' lands and sovereign rights. There's a very important and pertinent reason that it's called Break Horizons a rocking indigenous justice ceremony. Because I think as citizens of the Canadian state, who are, you know, people who are those things, I am not. I have been forced to be adhered to uh, policies and paperwork. I am an indigenous nation member of the Silk and Sil- uh, nations. And I don't think Canadian state agents and citizens think often enough about what their complicity is with regards to upholding the crown's objective of waging war against indigenous peoples and oppressing their crown's version of a judiciary system are. When we talk about justice, when somebody goes to prison and is committed of a crime under the eyes of the crown and there is justice it's incredibly important to think about whose justice whose laws 
who's been violated. I've been, I look at words, you know, and concepts about reciprocity, restitution, mercy, forbearance, forgiveness, often. And one word that I always come back to when I'm writing and conjuring this story is justice. What is justice? You know, the root of it goes back to this notion of uh, conforming to a standard of correctness. So when an indigenous person is being accused and convicted of a crime, it's because of their inability or their non-conformance to a standard of correctness oppressed by the crown. For me, understanding this and communicating this within the ceremony of Break Horizons is incredibly important. Whose law? What does justice mean? Are there people who are in prison or people who have been convicted of um, crown-constructed uh, crimes against the imperial state? Sure, they have conjured and manipulated and uh, erected a system that works very well for the crown. But don't get mistaken that it's for our protection. Don't ever get mistaken that it's for indigenous people's peace and sovereignty. It is not. It is to forcibly remove us from our lands. It is to lock us away from our lands and to dispossess us from our nations and stewardship roles of Turtle Island. This is a very complex area because there are people who have violated the crown's standard of correctness and also indigenous peoples. What I want to illuminate in this post-reflection is that we need to be mindful of whose justice. Indigenous people have had our justice systems for time immemorial. You know, for the mystics, I was going through our uh, traditional ways, our traditional laws, our traditional justice um, ideologies and practices. And we had very specific and particular forms of justice for community members. When it came to theft, ownership, wars, murder, killing, family, ethics, all of that. We had our forms of justice. And they worked very, very well for us for thousands of years. This rouge, this guise, this facade, this fallacy that the crown's laws are mine? Fuck off. I will never conform to the crown's standard of correctness. My allegiance, my values, my jurisprudence is that of a silkotine, silk, salish plateau femme. For my creative sharing on this episode, I'll be reading to you a piece called Crushing Under the Cosmos. In my blog, I posted, if you want to do this right, play this video underneath the reading. It's a song called 17 by Sharon Von Etten, featuring Nora Jones. We walked past Neptune, crossed under Orion, made a pit stop at Sev, and in 12 earthly minutes, 
We arrived at the Pac-Man game at the Colossus movie theater on Kwatlin territory. That place close to the island a Transformer landed millions of years ago that nobody knows about. We traversed the cosmos always, time traveling with orange crush slurpees, planning to hold one another's hand somewhere near Gemini, but we chicken out because we're both Pisces. We invest in this game and hop on the next bus back into town because for some reason they built a movie theater near the walnut grove close to the highway that spans a turtle's back. Somewhere under our star hopping, south of Polaris, we pulled the cord and got off near the Chuck E. Cheese next to the gross burrito joint. Clomping under the light of Sirius and our matching Adidas hard shells, we giggle and play a game that takes us 20 light years down the road. We walk past a party we weren't invited to and stare into that space. You grab my hand and I smile so big, the light of the Milky Way spirals into me and makes my braces twinkle. I swear our hearts vibrated so intensely, we curved space and the universe stopped time to extend the fire of this moment. A beige Silverado blaring Cisco's thong song roars by and sprays us with some bourbon grime and we scream release our hands and walk up to get dollar drinks from McDonald's. 20 years later, I still remember our Fridays where we'd pretend to not love each other until the universe collapsed. You live in a whole other world now, somewhere near a river, I hear. But the cosmos will always crushingly remind me of you. Well, Slacks, we have come to the end of Season 2, Episode 8. We've talked about Break Horizons and why I've chosen a futurism story that isn't relying on the failure of humanities and our species, but focuses on our powerful ability to transform our future. I shared with you uh, one of the epigraphs uh, by Albert Einstein regarding our conscious compassion, the need to build our capacities to understand our oneness with this planet and to emancipate ourselves from the idea of this delusion that we are somehow uh, separated, isolated from the universe when we're really just an extension. And also, I hope that you can go away from this episode and really think about how you can meet Indigenous practitioners or anybody conjuring outside of the Western European uh, imperial notion in creating things like ceremony, creating things like stories that are from their culture, perspective, practices, and protocols, and respect it in every way that they're asking you to, and come to the table with your hands full, with your heart open, and your spirit and the paradigm and the worldview that they are experiencing the universe, and that we really trouble this notion of what crime is. A like, a listen, and a share go a long way. If you have any questions or comments, please do get in contact with me. I really appreciate you spending time and amplifying the voice of an Indigenous 
matriarch. From my ancestors to yours, I'm Kim Senkla Parvi. Why? Today's postscript is brought to you by my family Facebook group. Our extended family has a pretty amazing Facebook group where we share pictures and videos and articles that we think might be of interest to one another. It spans many nations and has gone on for many seasons. And the other week, my Auntie Barb, creator, lover, keep her safe, posted an article with this sub-status heading. The full beaver moon eclipse is coming. <laughs> that was it. I said, what? <laughs> What's coming? <laughs> the full beaver moon eclipse. I didn't think this was a real thing. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Too bad you aren't in our family Facebook group to check it out, but get on the ye old Googles and... Give her a search.